now, Talk Zone presents Two Guys and a Mic, your mid-morning break sports talk show. It's a passionate yet lighthearted look at the world of sports, featuring the coach, John Cohn, and the big dog, Joel Radwanski. They'll recap the games from yesterday, look ahead to the matchups tonight, and cover a lot more in between. Now, Two Guys and a Mic on TalkZone.com. Welcome, everybody. Friday edition of the Two Guys at a Mic show on the TalkZone.com. It's a big dog and a coach with you right up until 11 o'clock. Thank you so much for joining us here on a Friday. Hope you got an outstanding weekend, sports and or otherwise, ahead of you at this particular point. Lots going on, NBA playoffs, NHL playoffs. Of course, we got some good Major League Baseball series to talk about. And, and as my ex-radio partner used to say, the greatest two minutes... Outside the bedroom that there is, the Kentucky Derby, the 137th running of the Kentucky Derby. It's all this weekend. We'll talk about all that. And mucho, mucho mas on the two guys at a mic show. A little bit of music. Stick with us. We're about to kick off. Thank you very much. As we welcome in our uh, expert in hockey and horse racing, and as we found out yesterday in the last couple of days, an outstanding political analyst as well. And that was not a mispronunciation. We call him our political analyst for more reasons than uh, we can expound on right now. But Big Dog, our uh, Twitter feed that we just shot out right now, you'd be very happy that we're becoming much more Twitter conscious. I even mastered, I think, be very proud of me, I think I've got the hash mark down. You did. The hashtag? Yep. The hash who? The hashtag. The hashtag. Yes, and you did it right. With the Bulls tweet this morning, you did it right. Yeah, yeah, it was correct. It's unbelievable, Big Dog. We may have Uh, to go out and celebrate. Well, I don't think people realize how how big this is because I'm trying to explain (laughs) it to you. I'm with a group of people that I'm actually trying to instruct something on, and I'm trying to also explain to you how to do a tweet. And when I was explaining this to you, they were like, "Is he trying to explain to somebody how to use Twitter?" And I'm like, "I'm like shaking my head." And I'm, they were, they were. You have no idea the the best moment of our whole entire show ever was the six people listening to me try to explain to you how to use Twitter. Yeah, and close. just send a hashtag. No, you got to put the numbers. Okay, if I put the numbers, then only I see it. Oh, oh my goodness, oh, coach. That, literally, there were like six people laughing at you. I won't even tell. I would. I refuse to tell them who I was talking to. Very happy to hear that I provided uh, entertainment to six people that uh, had no interest in actually listening to the show. No, well, well, they're actually kind of busy at that particular time. Yeah. Work for well, them. I can understand that. Now, let me ask you, as long as we're talking hashtags here, could I uh, go? Can I put Bulls, Sox, Cubs, or can you yeah, put more? You do whatever you, do whatever you want, because what happens is people that aren't trying to push themselves or sell something and are just interested in what's going on in the world, they'll put a hashtag, they just go to search, and they put the hashtag Cubs, and then they search, and then, oh, everybody, all the tweets around the world that have hashtag Cubs in them come up, and then they can say, oh, two guys and a mic here says that, oh, don't worry, Cubs have an excellent chef for Brian uh, for Ryan Braun's birthday, mm-hmm. and they'll end up serving marmalized onions. You know what I mean? <laughs> Something like that. I don't know. And then you hashtag Cubs, and they're like, oh, that's a stupid tweet. I won't follow them. Mm-hmm. But like, then they can just hit two guys in the mic, and then they can read your thread, and they'll be like, oh, this stuff is good. 
and then they'll follow you. So if I want a hashtag more than one, do I put a comma or just Bulls Hawks? No, 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 no. Don't use the comma unless it's a real short tweet and the comma is extremely important. Okay. Uh, so if I put Bulls people, Hawks. You of all people are going to love this, Coach. I want, I want to emphasize this. You of all people will love this. Spelling and grammatical errors do not count in Twitter. Hey, hey, ho, blue 42, red 17, split left, ready, set, hut, 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 what I'm hut, getting at? So hut. the hashtag, the hashtag is also a comma. Huh? The hashtag is also a comma. So if ah. you're like, Cubs, Reds, uh, you know, uh, Titanic oh. game yesterday, so it's kind of, but, so it's like the separation. So if you. I go, if I go number sign bulls, do I have to go number sign hawks? Absolutely. I do. Okay. To separate unless, unless you have Blackhawks attached to, to the Bulls. Like okay. literally it goes number sign B U L L F H A. You know what I mean? There, if there's a space, then, mm. I'll, then it needs a hashtag for the Hawks again. Okay. Very and, good. Very good. Our Twitter, by the way, the most recent one that went out two guys that watch very little horse racing make their derby picks and analyze the race on the talk zone. Right now on a live webcast, so that's how it's been advertised, Big Dog. Two guys that really know very little about the Kentucky Derby. At some point during this show, we're going to break it down, and we uh, hope. And we've done it in the past at, at time. Uh, I don't, we, we're not really going to break it down, are we? A little bit. But that's what we never truly do break it down. Well, you know, not, we'll break it down very similar to I, the really ghost. Do you want anybody to hear what I have to say about horse racing? Yes. Because I'll put people through it if you really want me to. I think it's the same people that enjoy your uh, analysis of the hunting and fishing report and the ghost of Ron Santa with the uh, bullpen pitchers. Those same oh, people, I think, would look forward to your Kentucky Derby analysis. Uh, i got to say something. The, the ghost of Ron Santo has been haunting me lately with some really, <laughs> really, really witty remarks. Yeah. So. Anything you want to talk about? Not, not right now. Later uh, on. I'll I just hope, uh, you know, through eight innings yesterday... At the end of the eighth, when Ryan Dempster was taken out, the ghost of Ron Santa was clicking his heels up in heaven with some of the other dignitaries, maybe even the big fella himself. And then the ninth inning came, Big Dog, and it was, uh, boy, there's just nothing more discouraging to a team, to a fandom, than a closer just butchering a game that was so brilliantly played. The Cubs lose yesterday as Carlos Marmol melts down yet again. You know, we, they had the the game on Wednesday night. They had stolen bases, singles, like a clutch two out single after a stolen base, you know, to get a run in. You know, the, they were scoring like that, and then all of a sudden, the team that had a home run all year gets great pitching, good defense, and three solo shots. And you're like, wow, they can they 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 caught the ball, they pitched the ball, and they had some power today. You know, they, they have one like this all year. Mm-hmm. Ooh, and then they hand it back. Oh, my. That was one of the worst handbacks of a game. And you, you know what? The crazy thing about Major League Baseball, Carlos Momoa, obviously there was an error in there. Okay, so the, there was an error that Ian Stewart should have made a play on. He's been pretty good defensively all yeah, year. But a, but a hard hit ball, too. It, it, was, it was an extremely hard hit ball. That was a fight at the back rat, back, back yesterday. The, the crazy thing about baseball is Dale Swain does the right thing and gets Marmol out of there, but the bases are loaded. None are out, and there's only a one-run lead, and they put Dolish in. Dolish gives up a double play and then a strikeout. The double play scores a run. Dolish gets the blown save for that, and Marmol does not. Basically, like, you know, there's something. Like, I know it's not that big of a deal. It's only a statistic. But baseball needs to look at why, that. Why does Dolish? 
Because he, because, I don't understand. Well, I, 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 first that, of all, that's, 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 so I'm trying to explain that to all fans. So when they see why did why doesn't Marmol have so many blown saves this year? That's not the first time that's happened to him either. By the way, uh, the blown save you only get one blown save. You know, it's not like Marmol gets one and Dolis gets one. Dolis gets it because he was on the mound when the tying run occurred. So even though it was ninety nine point nine 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 percent Marmol's fault. We're yeah. going to blame Joe Lee for getting it. He got a guy to hit into a double play, and he got a blown save out of it. Well, that's that's simply an error. I mean, that's, that's MLB scorekeeping. That's you know, that's that's bad scorekeeping yeah. analysis. They need to change that rule. Yeah, I, 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 they have to do something about that. In some, I mean, I understand why. There's other reasons why they do it. I don't want to get all into it, but it's just. A quirky thing, mm-hmm. and then Dolis is horrible in the in the tenth inning. So who really cares if he got the blow and save because he was bad in the tenth? Mm-hmm. So at this point, that I could really care less about him getting it. But if there's anybody that deserved a blow and save, it was Marmol yesterday. Mm-hmm. Come on, throw a freaking strike! Why is he attempting to learn a third pitch? Shouldn't he just be trying to perfect the two pitches that he's average at? Any well, one is just incredible. Stick with two pitches, please. Why? He's trying to throw a two-seam fastball in the bat. You know what, if I, just to taunt Marmol, I would walk up to the plate with a fungo bat. <laughs> I ain't swinging it anyways. <laughs> I mean, why Why yeah. could you even swing when the guy's out there? Yep. You know, you got, you got a three-run lead. You're coming in as the closer. You know, two pitches, three pitches, four. I don't care how many pitches you throw. You do not walk the batter. Because basically, at that point, we've talked about this before, a, a single, or I'm sorry, a double or a triple or a homer, even if they jack the ball out of the park, it's no worse than a single. It's the ninth mm-hmm. inning. You've got a three-run lead, a homer, and a base hit. Really? I know this sounds weird, and the average fan might argue it, but I'll argue right back at him, and I'm a big fan of the average fan, by the way. I hope the average fan's a big fan of this very average show. Thank you very much. But uh, just throw the ball over the plate. Don't walk a batter when it's three and zero. I don't care what pitch he throws, big dog. Throw it over the plate, make him hit. You got eight fielders out there. Maybe you get lucky. There's that is not even that's not even baseball wisdom. That's just baseball common sense. Yep. Uh, I, I, Coach, the only way I can explain it is watching the game. You know, I was getting kind of fired up. I'm like, okay, they can be ten and fifteen, and this might sound crazy. I'm like, they can get the four hundred ball, and maybe if they win the Dodger series, they can avoid. The yes. 400 mark, you know what I mean? And just play above 400 yep. the rest of the year. That, that, that isn't a big goal, but, you know, I'm thinking as a Cubs fan, just trying yeah. to think practical. And I'm not kidding you. Marmol comes in, and I'm like, he looked really good last night. Let's build on it. Because he looked good on Wednesday night. Now, nobody can doubt that he did. And then right when he walked the first batter, the electricity that happened in Cincinnati in the mm-hmm. crowd was fathomable. I mean, just the people were standing up, yeah. And next you know, you're facing Joey Votto. You walk a guy in front of Joey Votto with a three-run lead in the ninth. And in <laughs> true right. tradition, as we've talked about before, he got tighter and tighter and took longer and longer. And our theory, which has been proven over and over again, the longer a reliever takes, the worse he is going to get to do. I call it uh, my get-the-ball-throw-the-ball concept. The quicker they work, typically, the better they are. Now, uh, okay, now another baseball common sense that you're exactly talking about, when uh, a pitcher works slowly, what typically happens to the defenders? Yes. Exactly. Oh, Ian Stewart, a guy that's been phenomenal all year with the glove, all of a sudden makes a, a play where you're like, really? Ian Stewart didn't handle that? So it all, all mm-hmm. of it adds up. 
as, as, as a Chicago Cup fan, you got a guy out there picking his, the, his pants out of his crack instead of throwing the ball, you're going to end up having the defense that's sitting on their heels the whole entire mm-hmm. time. We have any uh, disgusted, disheveled, possibly for clumped Chicago Cub fans out there, and you need to vent in uh, predecessor of our soon-to-be-famous Kentucky Derby analysis. Feel free to give us a call. It was a tough one for the Cub. Big Dog, you alluded to it, that it would have been, uh, you know, when I say a big victory, it's a 162 game, but it definitely a win coming out of that Red Series, moving on. It would have given some feel-good to a team that uh, is building some confidence. So it was a big loss. Our phone number here, if you want to check in, 888-463-6748, Lou Pinella called in a few minutes ago, Big Dog, and wants to talk to you off-air about a couple of your comments. All right, no problem. I'll be more than happy to, I'll be more than happy to, to calm down Lou about all that. I'll be, I'll be happy to massage <laughs> Talking about people calling in, you know, WGN, who normally is awesome about letting Cup fans vent yes. on their airwaves, refused to let callers get on yesterday. Really? Why? People were that angry. At least that's, that was what I was uh, getting from uh, our guys, uh, MIC Cubs, all those guys they were, who, who work for WGN or have worked for WGN. Mm-hmm. Let's just say the producers were very leery of putting somebody on that didn't, uh, listen to them when they said, I know you're mad at Marmol, but please mm-hmm. don't swear on here. That's how angry Cubs I mean, like, it, it, it's palpable, Coach. Two mm-hmm. years ago, this guy broke a record. He struck out 16 batters per nine innings, and opponents only hit, like, a buck 80 off the guy, or even less than that. Uh, how would that yeah. – but then again, even that year, when he had you actually had a real, real good season – Every single game was just nail-biting because he would walk two guys and then strike out the next three, and you're just like, how did But at least he saved, like, what, 85% of the games, and that's pretty good. That's above average. He had a brief moment in time, and maybe a season at most, where he was... He had three years. Huh? He had three great seasons. No, he didn't. We've argued about this before. We've argued about this before. We're going to go back and forth. No, no, no. We've never argued about Carlos Momo. Anybody who doesn't think Carlos Momo had a great season, go look at the MVP voting I don't in need 07 to look. and 08 year because he got MVP votes. Don't I don't need to look. With this. You, don't know, you don't know anything about <laughs> baseball. You're trying to tell me Carlos Mamol did not have a great 07 and 08. He had MVP but now, votes. Now you're and down like from three. In the National League. You've gone from three seasons to two, and I don't recall. I don't need to go look at stats. I don't need to go look. I watched. Mm-hmm. I lived through it. I live and breathe, not quite with the passion that you do. But uh, semi close to it, no, so you know I. Ex- no, it's not even close. It's not even. Only time you watch the Cubs are when you get highlights, and the only time they show highlights of a about? guy who pitches in the seventh and eighth inning is when they give up home runs. Okay, I watched the Cubs every single game in '07 and '08. Carlos Mamol was awesome, and in 2010 he struck out 16 batters per nine innings. Mm-hmm. It's not like we're talking about a guy who's never pitched well. The last two years he's been the worst right. closer in the history of the Cubs, though. How you can't keep on bringing them out there. At least that brought you down from three great years to two great years. We're getting closer. I think it's well, 07 and 08 were great, and in 2010 he set the record: 16 strikeouts per nine innings. Coach, the previous record was 14. Yeah, I think he had a season and a half that were good. I think I can't remember was 07 or 08. If you look back, part of that season he wasn't very good. He was not a dominant closer for a couple of years. Um, I'm going to go get his statistics I right now. I don't care now. about his statistics. Uh, well, uh, here, 
Well, the you, coach, the you, guy, they won the division both years. He wasn't bad. He wasn't even the closer one of those years. He was the he was the eighth inning guy. No, no. And the point is, he was awesome back then. He was incredible. Yeah, but it's different when you're an eighth inning guy and a ninth inning guy. As a closer, he had one great season. Since then, he's been in a full fledged breakdown mode. Okay, so in 07, in 07, he had a 1.43 ERA. He had 34 uh, holes, and he received 26 points in the MVP voting. Okay, so that's okay. He really sucked that year. The following year, in a 2.68 ERA, appeared in uh, we had 87 innings pitch, and he had 36 holes <laughs> that season, and he was an All Star. And after that, he became the Cubs closer, and things have changed obviously uh, ever since. Well, so he had a 38 hold. I mean, a 38 safe season in 2010, with, and a 2.55 ERA. When people say he sucks and he's never done anything for the Cubs, they are not true diehard Cubs fans. They're just somebody who's angry over the has a, a memory of like 10 days. Mm-hmm. Because the guy for two, three years, I'm going to say again, he had the 38 safe season. When you say he's done nothing, he's getting MVP votes in certain seasons. Coach, don't tell me the guy's never done anything. I didn't for the say Cubs. never. I just don't. I don't recall. I, I'm, three, that's three great seasons. I was I'm great. disagreeing with the extent of the longevity of the dominance of Carlos Marmol, and you already showed at the start of the show you're arguing against yourself because we've already proven no, 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 how no, no. how how uh, unobjective, how misleading baseball statistics can be. So don't throw I, me I, statistics. I couldn't agree more. And the point is, if that was also, I'm talking about five and four years ago. I know the guy is is no longer good, but I just don't like the fact when people are like he sucks and he's never done anything. And he's well, for three years he was as good as any relief pitcher the Cubs have ever had, mm-hmm. but obviously not Suter or Hoy Wilhelm back in the '70s. So right. well, a lot of disgusted fans surprised to hear WGN not taking any phone calls. There was a rumor that WGN's lead postgame guy David Kaplan was so disgusted he actually kicked dirt on the extremely attractive uh, ankles of Comcast announcer Sarah Kustak, Big Dog. No video of it, but there is rumor of the dirt kicking. Uh, I don't know if, if Kaplan can actually kick dirt that high to reach up that high. you seen Sarah's ankles? I know you're, you're a calf guy, aren't you? And by the way, uh, Lovely one day I was, I was on the Orleans subway getting a horrible service, eating a subway sandwich, and I'm not kidding you. I saw Sarah Kustak walk by me. And the girls should not be in uh, doing any type of sports work because you know I've seen these models, so-called models. Yep. Girls are butt ugly without makeup. That girl had no makeup on, and I'm like, oh my goodness, that was uh, that really? was spectacular, coach. Yeah, spectacular. I yeah. mean, the girl's phenomenal. Yeah, and what makes it so aggravating slash legitimate slash pleasing is the fact that she's not only very attractive, she's a very good. Sports announcer. I mean, she's a legitimate. She's not just a female out there looking pretty. She knows her stuff and does a very professional job. It's very aggravating. Yeah, I, I'm with you. She <laughs> definitely is. She's in the Aaron Andrews category of yes. hot chick who actually knows what the heck's going yes. on out there. Yeah, that's exactly. And I put Susie Culber in that category too. Eight 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 four six three sixty seven forty eight. If you want to send us a tweet, you can do that during the show. Is that right, Dave? Now that we're becoming Twitter efficient, Mike, two guys at. Not a Mike, just Mike Two Guys. At Mike Two Guys. At Mike Two Guys. That's right. M I C, the number two, Mike Two Guys. You can send us a tweet. Uh, we'll try to 
Read him over the air. Any comments? Big Dog and the Coach with you right up until 11 o'clock. Dog, uh, it's a late-breaking story. I'm just catching wind of it. But apparently, speaking of closers, the greatest of all time, the Muhammad Ali of uh-huh. baseball closers, Mariano Rivera, maybe you can help me out here, got injured before the game? Yes, and this is one of those things you just got to you shake your head, and I knew it immediately what everybody was going to say. Oh, we shouldn't be doing that. Well, he was shot shagging fly balls. Uh, out in the outfield before the game, and he's done it before all of his games throughout his career. That's his workout. Other pitchers jog around. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? He realizes that he's a pitcher. You, it's an anaerobic exercise. You, what, you work for about two seconds, and you work really, really hard, and you give all the energy you can. Well, that's what he does. He, he literally goes out there and tries to uh, shag fly balls. And according to Buster Oley and Tim Kirchin on ESPN, and I'll listen to their baseball, I just won't listen to anything else that they have is uh, that he is, at about 10 years ago, about 2002 or so, he would have been the best defensive center fielder in the American League. And Bernie Williams at the time, who was the, the center fielder for the Yankees, said that uh, Mariano was better than him. So this is something he's always done, and it just so happened that he's running back. And if you watch, he kind of like, right when he hit the warning track, he was, they had the camera on him. They were watching him catch fly balls. It was funny. They were showing some of his catches before. They were awesome, Coach. He's better in left field than Alfonso Soriano. I guarantee you. <laughs> and I'm not, I'm not making fun of Soriano. I mean, he's, he's probably going to be the Cubs' best defensive outfielder right now. And he was just running back. And right when he hit the warning track, he was running back on a weird angle. And it looked like he kind of stumbled with his left foot. Okay? And when his right foot landed, it caused it to crumple. And he tore his ACL, and he tore his meniscus. So he didn't bump into anybody? He didn't step into a hole or anything? It was just a freak, normal course of chasing down a a fly ball? Yep, yep. And, you know, like like a lot of pitchers, Jod, you know, he does uh, all-out sprints before the games. You know what I mean? Now, is it, uh, do we have reports from our our medical people or, you know, God forbid, the Yankees medical people? Is it definitively a torn ACL or we're still waiting? No, no, it's a torn ACL and wow. torn meniscus. So, and meniscus. Yeah, and and huh. he the the sad thing, the real sad thing about this, that for me the the most sad thing is watching him speak after the game. I was like, you know, when they carted him off, I said to my fellows, I'm like, you know what? He looks pretty strong right there, doesn't? I mean, he doesn't look like it's a devastating injury, like in his facial expression. You know what I mean? But like he was like around his teammates at the time. And then they show him afterwards when he wasn't around his teammates and he was speaking, and he was just absolutely devastated, Coach. Mm. Completely devastated. And he also admitted he's not sure if he's ever going to pitch again. That was my next question to you, because he's not exactly a a young buck. He's at least 41 years old. He's at least 41. He's close to 42. He is is 42, according to. He is 42, and he's unsigned after this year. Yeah, he's a free agent, and he also said going into this year it was his last year. And then when they asked him, are you ever going to pitch again? And he said, I don't know. And he didn't say, he said, I don't know, like it was a no. Wow. So quite, deep in the, in the bottom of my heart, I don't say he's never going to pitch again. But at this moment, it didn't look like he was ready for a year of rehab uh, in order oh, to be able to pitch next season. That is such a shame. It's a shame. I mean, you know, the guy's had a phenomenal career, but to see it, end that way and to not have that moment big dog not just the yankee fan but all baseball fans all sports fans one of the best there's ever been and a classy guy on top of it you know i wanted to see that final moment when he walks off the mound even if it were a regular season game 
you know, knowing that that was, you know, the greatest final moment. And now what I hear you say, and, and maybe Mariano himself, is we may never get that moment. Yeah, he, he definitely wasn't totally 100% convincing that he will be back next year is my only way to say it. So that's too bad. Mm, a shame. 888-463-6748. You got that injury. So him and Derek Rose and on one of my earlier tweets, I suggested Carlos Marmol go over for an ACL injury as well. Even though he doesn't need it, uh, you know, we can get him off the shelf for six or eight weeks. Maybe he'll come back stronger. By the way, just to let you know, uh, NBC Miami reported that uh, Carlos Marmol was the cause of the Titanic sinking, Coach. <laughs> Not true. Yeah. Not true. Oh. And, and, and NBC Miami saying that Derrick Rose has retired. That is not true either. So just to let everybody else know about that. <laughs> Thank you very much. I'm glad you're watching NBC Miami. And uh, we should yeah. mention the White Sox lose yesterday 7-5. to five. The hitting star, I don't know if you're aware of this not, Big Dog, but the the uh, batting star with a three-run homer and a triple for the Cleveland Indians, Jason Kipnis, playing his high school baseball about 20 minutes from the studio. Local kid from Glenbrook North making good on the Cleveland Indian. And and you know what's uh, I think the most impressive thing about this kid is he's he's had a lot of national. I'm not talking about just local because you've been hearing about him on all the local channels, but nationally. They're like, hey, you know, the Indians are really counting on this uh, young kid to produce for them at second base. And he comes out for the first three weeks and was real bad. I mean, he was hitting like a buck eighty from like the whole the whole year, and he had only like one or two homers. And then you talking about this year or last? This year, okay. right? This year, because last and year the when last. they when they first brought him up on the spot, he he produced immediately. Yeah, remember that? And all of a sudden, yeah. And then all of a sudden, people are like, "Oh yeah, uh, Tim is going to hit like three ten with, yeah. with twenty five homers." Like what? 23, he was good for like two weeks he's, last year. He started to go so, Gordon Beckham on us. Mm-hmm. But, but the last the last, uh, the last, last 10 days or so, he's really been hitting the ball really, really well, Coach. Mm-hmm. So that that's a real good sign when a young player struggles and then they can recover from that. Because mm-hmm. it, when Bryce Harper finally goes into a, a slump, let's see what happens to him and how he adjusts. But I think to me that's the biggest issue. Like Anthony Rizzo, the, the people all oh, Cubs need to bring up Rizzo. Well, he was he was not good at the major league level, so it's real important that when he comes back up, he's ready. Because when like it wasn't like he struggled in like twenty at bats, he had like one hundred and fifty and hit like a buck fifty. So, mm-hmm. so like this guy Kipnis, that uh, I was I was impressed that he was actually bounced back and he mm-hmm. looks like he's going to be a good baseball. player. Not only a great baseball player, I remember the kid was just a hell of an athlete. I mean, he could run, he could throw, just you know. Not your typical baseball player. He's much more athletic. And, in fact, uh, the St. Louis Cardinals drafted a kid out of New Trier. I don't know if he can hit, if he's a good enough hitter to make the majors, but uh, similar to this Kipnis kid, Chris uh, Tillotson. Am I getting the name right? Now I'm forgetting his name. He was the second-round pick of the St. Louis Cardinals, but uh, another kid that was uh, just a phenomenal athlete. We'll see if he makes it with the St. Louis Cardinals. Always fun to see the local guys that, you know, maybe we catch a little bit playing high school baseball make it all the way to the pros. How about yeah, the, but how come, how come the Tigers and the Cardinals are plucking these guys and not the Cubs and the White Sox? That's a good point. His name's Charlie Tillotson, by the way, not Chris. Charlie Tillotson, but uh, good point, Big Dog. Good point. If you're a Cub or a White Sox guy, if all things are equal, you know, pick some local guys. Add a little yeah, no interest. Doubt. No, that was, I mean, I, honestly, at, at some point, you know, we were talking about this last night. You know, I'm, when you're talking about the NFL draft or any type of draft, well, in basketball, I think it's totally different. <laughs> that's, you have to. But in football, 
or if you're just picking somebody, why don't you just pick two you need? You said, well, you need a linebacker, let's take a linebacker, because why are people so, like, narcissistic and have such a big ego that they always just assume that they're going to be right on their evaluation with the player? Like, this is the best available. Mm-hmm. We really need a pass rusher. Well, this guy is the best. Well, the pass rusher ended up being the best guy available anyways, and you, you really needed a pass rusher. You should have taken a guy. So mm-hmm. uh, I, I'm with you on that. At, at some point, all things even, Coach, take a local guy every once in a while. At least you can uh, sell some T-shirts, put some people in the seat. Absolutely. By the way, uh, before we leave the White Sox and a mini-losing streak, they're taking on the Detroit Tigers this weekend. We should mention Adam Dunn. The batting average still not great, but hit another homer. He's got seven on the season starting. I'm not ready to go there yet, Big Dog, but he's starting to look like the Adam Dunn they at least thought that they had. Another homer yesterday for A.D. Forget his batting average, Coach. Let's not worry about his batting average. And the only thing, remember I used to rip him why they signed him. I was like, hey, yeah, they're gonna, the guy's going to hit 40 home runs and, and drive in 65 RBIs. Like I, was, I, I made fun of him for that. He's on pace to drive in 105 runs this year. So if he hits 235 and drives in 105 runs mm-hmm. this year, I don't think he, that's a bad season. Okay, it's, seriously, it's it's. Obviously, he probably would drive in more runs if he hit like 260, but he seems to be driving in a lot of runs for the White Sox this year. I mean, a lot more than what Alfonso Soriano is doing for the Cubs. You know, so mm-hmm. uh, forget about the batting average. Hey, speaking of young players, long as we're talking about them before we leave baseball, don't forget me and the big dog, two guys that have watched very little horse racing, are going to give you our Kentucky Derby picks and break it down a little bit. we got the NBA playoff. Bulls fans, don't worry, we're going to get to you too. Big game three tonight at Philadelphia, so we'll get to all that, but uh, got an email coming in from Sweatstain Stan. A little afraid of him, but Sweatstain Stan wants to know Big Dub Bryce Harper, 19-year-old kid. I don't know if you've seen her late, but the last couple of games, he's starting to hit the heck out of the ball. The uh, young superstar, again, only 19. The Nationals brought him up because of injuries, and uh, he has led them the last couple of days with some big hits. Uh, yeah, it's like he just started to hit. He's 6-16 six so far. And he has made electrifying plays the whole entire time. And, you know, pitchers are really testing him. They're not challenging him with fastballs. 30% of his pitches have been change-ups. Forget breaking pitches. 30% have been change-ups right now. So they're really trying to see if the kid has any patience. He hit a, a, a freaking monster of a double on his first hit. Like It was a... It was a fastball up around his eyes, and he tomahawk chopped it like a left-handed version of, of uh, Andre Dawson off the wall. The kid is throwing people out at home on a consistent basis. Too bad either the catcher drops the ball or the umpire misses the call. Okay, he is—he hits the ball, and then he sprints at full speed until somebody tells him to stop. And you know, somebody was like, "Oh, yeah, he's showing somebody up." What? Aren't people supposed to hustle? on a pop-up because he's printed at full speed. Another major leaguer was like, oh, he's trying to show us up. What, what, what if he didn't hustle? The thing I'd be like, yeah, what, he, he's up here and he's not hustling? It's, it's absolutely crazy the amount of pressure that this kid is under. And yesterday, he uh, hits a little dribbler inside the, you know, right in front of the pitcher, and the pitcher ends up throwing it away. But on his way to first base, coach, he missed first base. And, you know, he goes into second, he's hustling so much. Now, honestly, me and all my boys, we saw, we thought his right foot dragged over it. It clearly was on the side, but it looked like he dragged his foot over the base, okay, while he was running, and it totally looked like it. Afterwards, he didn't even be like, oh, I touched the base. He's like, oh, yeah, they called me for missing the base, you know, and he, was, and he didn't even get upset about it, wasn't yelling at the umpire or whatever. He knew, 
hey, make it easy on the umpire and actually put your foot on it. It won't be an issue. I, I like the kids so far. This is disturbing. This is disturbing. you got a young, athletic kid, good-looking kid with that kind of talent, and you're telling me he's got a great attitude on top of it? Well, well, I don't like you know, it, Big I just want to let you know. I, I, I do not like it. Know. I am not – I don't know about his attitude because, first of all, I wasn't the one who was saying that he was cocky a year ago or mm-hmm. now, and I'm not also the one saying he's absolutely like the wonder kid and he's – you know, the God's gift in terms of personality. Mm-hmm. But check this out. The other day he was riding in his car when they got back from the road trip, and he saw uh, some people playing softball in the park. He got out of the car and took batting practice with them and started How hitting, cool them, is that? hitting the ball. How cool okay. is that? And, and, and supposedly all his teammates are like he listens to everything we say, and his teammates from the minor leagues, half of them said he was a jackass, and half of them loved him. The people, the, half of them that thought he was a jackass coach, uh, they were outfielders. <laughs> By the way, little, Bryce Harper's an outfielder. Little competitive okay. uh, yeah. instincts taking place there, huh? I I, I got to tell you, I, I honestly, folks, you got to watch the kid because whether he he crashes or he burns, every single game, he's throwing people out at home from three hundred feet away, and it's so. Remember that throw they always show like Ichiro or Roberto? They, they show Roberto Clemente's throw where he he held the guy at third base, and it's one of the most electrifying throws ever. Yep. It's not that good, but I swear to you, it's the closest version in Major League Baseball that we have right now to a guy that can throw the ball like Clemente is Bryce Harper. And to me, throwing the ball, like, if you can throw it like Ellis Valentine or yeah, Clemente. Yeah, it's a lost art. Oh, oh my. And, well, he's guess we have one, Coach. Yeah, it is, it's a lost art. We talked about that the last, uh, really, since we've been doing our shows together, Big Doe, which goes back to the morning break days. For those that are new to the uh, program here, we go back about uh, over 10 years now, and that's... That's been a major, it's not talked about much, but not even a minor. To me, a significant decline in, in, in the skill level of major league players is the strength of their arm and the accuracy. Rarely, back when I was following baseball in, the, in my teens, early 20s, there'd be a lot of good throws to nails runners out. Now it's rare when you see an outfielder actually gun a ball home, on target, accurate, and nail a runner, same thing to third base. Lost start. And and throw it in a way where it could be cut off if needed to yep. be. Yep. You know what I'm saying? It's make both do. A lot of times people can air it out all the way to home, but to do it in such a way where you give an option to a guy that okay, it's either going to make it to home or I'll cut it. No and guess what? Nobody it. can advance bases. You know what? He's challenging one guy who's right now the supreme arm of any outfield arm in baseball. Who do you think it is, Coach? The best arm in baseball right now. Yeah, he's a center fielder, and there's and there's no doubt by any expert in baseball. And if you don't believe me, you're going to have to YouTube this. Let me give you a hint. He set a record for strikeouts in an NLCS game by a rookie in 2000. The next game, he set a record for most times that uh, a broadcaster was hit by a wild pitch from a pitcher <laughs> in a, oh, in a game. Oh, Rick Rick Ankiel. Rick Ankiel is now center. <laughs> have you just YouTube him his throw home? Yes. He no one will run on this guy. He's got he's got the left handed version of Roberto Clemente. Well, he had he's an incredible arm, arm as, as a pitcher too, so that's uh-huh. not surprising. Rick Ankiel, he's turned himself into a a decent major league outfitter. By the way, Sweat Stain Stan says uh, thank you for the info and enthusiasm on Bryce Harper. He wants to know if he can buy you a drink tonight, Big Dog. Uh, I would be more than happy to everybody that is out there. Well, not everybody. I think Sweatstain Stan would like, uh, I'm guessing from his email, 
a little more personal one-on-one with you. Okay, well, uh, feel free to meet me at Motel Bar at 10 p.m. tonight. Uh, it's after I do my uh, 7 o'clock Ghost and Gangsters tour on the Chicago ah, River. So. I like it. And, and, and Sweat Stand, Stan, you to, if you're going to buy me a beer, it'll be 20% off of the regular price. Whenever you're with me, everybody drinks 20% off of it. There you go. So. There you go. And I don't think it'll be hard to recognize, Stan. I think you'll have a, a few indicating attributes, if you know what I mean. By the way, I'll have at least three uh, Chinese women with me with paddles, Stan. <laughs> I can't smile properly because I got a canker sore. I feel like I'm laughing while I'm sucking a lemon here. But uh, <laughs> besides Lily the Lilac, who will the other two be? Uh, her sisters. Ah. And some of her best friends. So there might be a Vietnamese girl wow. in there, too. So. Wow, this sounds like a potential. Uh, I think other people should be invited, Big Dog. That's too much joy for just one man. <laughs> yeah, just. Too much for just one person, huh? Yeah, well, maybe we get back here, Bob, Sweat Stain Stan, Bobby from Bolingbrook, the rest of the crew out there, the big dog out and about on a beautiful little Friday night here in Chicago. Lots going on in the world of sports over the weekend. Big dog going to be a busy one. Cubs, don't forget, are taking on, um, yeah, I think one could argue they are maybe the best team in baseball, certainly in the top three or four right now, the Los Angeles Dodgers. Would you go that far and put them up that high? Okay. Well, on paper, it's kind of you shake your head, you know, how they're winning this many games, but then you, you do realize that they have the the best starting pitcher in the game of baseball, Clayton Kershaw. They have the best player in the game of baseball, Matt Kemp. And all of a sudden, they got a revitalized uh, whole organization that, that realizes that they have people that are going to run it the right way baseball-wise, and I think everybody's got, like, this invigoration of, like, hey, let's get it done. And And, and no matter what anybody says, you could legitimately, legitimately say Matt Kemp has had the best April of all time of any player. Wow. And, and I would love to compare him to everybody, Coach. And I'm not, I'm not guaranteeing that it is. But when you're talking, the guy hit 12 homers and hit 475. You know, 475, Coach. That's, I mean, that's, you hit 12 homers and you hit 375. And you're like, well, that's an incredible month. You hit 475 with five homers. That's like, you don't put up both of those triple crown numbers, okay? And he's not even getting pitched to anymore. And remember when Barry Bonds for like three or four years when he really was grouped up on Goff, he would actually have the needle in his ass when he was in the batter's box? Mm-hmm. He was, you would give him one pitch and he'd hit it out of the ballpark during the game. Well, uh, I, don't, I don't know if peace mode is on any of the uh, pharmaceuticals that Barry Bonds was, but he's almost in that mode right now. <laughs> you throw him anything, like, if you throw him anything up, out over the plate, he hits it into the right center field bleachers. And it's a line drive and somebody gets hurt. Mm-hmm. It's, and if you throw it low, it's a big pop fly and it lands in the first row, but it's still a home run. Yeah, he, so by the way, way, has a pretty good uh, Robin to his Batman in Andre Ethier, who last year had a hitting streak that was one of the hottest we can remember. And uh, he's having a good start to the season, too. So Andre Ethier has become a nice one-two punch, along with Matthew Roderick uh, Kemp. Uh, Andre Ethier is def- was definitely a bigger hitting prospect when he was coming up. Uh, but, you know, like Kemp was like the all-around guy, great defense, arm, catch the ball, steal bases. Wasn't Kemp but, the know, guy, and I, and I was at this game, maybe the only Cub play, I think the only Cub playoff game I was ever at. Wasn't it Matt Kemp who hit the Grand Slam that no, started that the Cubs? That was, that was James Loney. Oh, there you go. I always get those two mixed up. Oh, yeah, because it's really it's really hard to... 
uh, figure distinguish a left-handed first baseman versus a right-handed uh, guy that actually gets hit. Jim Loney, did you know that James Loney has four career hits, and one of them was at Grand Slam? Uh, don't tell me that, please. Please. I don't know if it's really, you know, it's, yeah, that, but he's, you know, he's a horrible coach. Cub fans, that was, you know, maybe amongst the 10 or 20 most significant hits ever against the Chicago Cubs because uh, Cub, prior to that, they were rolling in that playoff if series. Ask, if you ask a diehard Dodger fan like me, okay, and I, and I, I know about three or four of these guys that I've been uh, going like sending stuff back and forth with, they think that James Loney is like the worst player that has ever put on a Dodger uniform. And then they were like, well, he did have that one home run against the Cubs. And that's like that's like the one thing they laugh about him. Like when people are like Brad Sellers really stuck for the Bulls. I'm like, well, he did get to hug Jordan after Jordan hit the game winning shot in '89. <laughs> you know, it's kind of it's kind of like that. They always, it's yeah, it's sad. Right. Some buster, a joke, <laughs> a guy that everybody loathes in 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 Los Angeles is also loathes in Chicago. Mm-hmm. Well, what can you do? Uh, real quick, let's get off the baseball beat. One hour show. We got to keep things moving along here. Uh, we will finish up with the Chicago Bulls. I want to get to the Kentucky Derby. A reminder, Big Dog, by the way, 84 days. The countdown hath begun. You know we're big on countdowns here. 84 days to the uh, London Summer Olympics. Getting excited about that. 16 days to the NATO conference here in Chicago. We are efforting to get one of the leaders of one of the eight great countries. Uh, possibly we're trying to get Angela Merkel to come on between 10 and 11. She's checking her schedule, but we hope to get one of the leaders uh, on our show. But 16 days to the NATO conference, and, of course, there is now about 31 hours until the 137th running of the Kentucky Derby, and it should be an exciting race this year. Do you got a hunch? Do you got a pick? Who might win it? It's it's arguably the most competitive field or one of the most they've ever had. Uh, I, I, I don't know. I don't care. The Kentucky Derby, as far as I'm concerned, is dead to me. Okay. Big dog. I've already, I've already talked to you about this. Come on. Why is it dead to you? I, I don't even want to get into it. Let's just say it's the anniversary of an extremely I, – I, I bet on Big Brown. I won a bunch of money, and that money that I won ended up being oh, – let boy. me say, the amount of money that I won times it by about 30 and that's about how much it ended up costing me in the long run. It was fool's gold, huh? And I told, I don't want to get all into it. I, I, I don't care about the Kentucky Derby. All right. Okay. All right. Well, for those fans listening to the program that do care, it's going to be a very competitive field amongst the favorites, Union Rags. Bodemeister, who is uh, trained by Bob Baffert. You're familiar with the silver-haired Bob Baffert, big dog? He just had a heart attack that's, when he was in Dubai. Coach. That's what I was going to bring up. It's a much more mild manner, less edgy Bob Baffert, and I, for one, uh, appreciate that because I didn't like the guy beforehand. Well, I, I don't know if that's good or bad because it depends on what type of horse you have. It's you amazing I mean? how so, a, a heart attack can make a guy more likable. It's amazing. No, it's true. It's true. Yep. It absolutely is. I, I uh, You know, I didn't like uh, Tiger Woods <laughs> until he got busted for cheating on his wife. Yep. And then I started liking him, and then I got to know him, and then I realized, oh, now I realize why I never liked him while mm-hmm. everybody else did like him. Yep. So, well, maybe you know, maybe our show would be better the two of us with some angst on occasion, disagreeing on various things. Maybe if one of us got uh, some chest pains, might help the karma of the show. Who knows? You know, I thought about that, coach. It's, Just a thought. And I, I really, I do think we need to do it. Is uh, <laughs> what you need to do is you need to like buy me a, like a nice camouflage. Uh, biodegradable backpack. I thought okay. about that. Yep. And and fill fill it all the way up with like a uh, army ration. Yep. Okay. 
and then send me out <laughs> in the middle of nowhere and then to say, oh, we lost the big dog. Okay. Yeah. That hey. would be the best thing for our ratings was for me to not be on the show for like two weeks, but had actually had you guys looking for me. Whatever it takes for ratings. Well, we, we used to have that. Remember, uh, you know, be on the lookout. We used to have a contest on the morning break show when you weren't here. It would be like, you know, who could find the big dog? I'm not sure if anybody found you, but it was a, it was a fun contest. People were looking for you. And we made up all kinds of stories. It was based on the Alonzo, not Alonzo morning, but Alonzo Spellman. Of the Chicago Bears, remember when he took off in some kind of psychological rave and shirt off in the middle of the winter, wandering the streets of Chicago? Yeah, but but luckily Mike uh, Stingle there was, was there to make his final tackle of his career. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and now, amazingly, Alonzo is still alive, and Junior say I was not very very sad. Getting back yeah. to the Derby, though, you got a horse like Gemologist who has not been beaten yet, but people are still doubting him. Five wins. In five appearances, not bad, but is he going to go Carlos Marmolos on the Kentucky Derby? We will see. Doolahan, he's considered one of the uh, underdogs that got a shot at winning. There's a 50-to-1 horse picked up whose trainer and jockey are both talk a little trash. And the horse's name is Trinneberg, and they're saying the way this guy's running right now, I think the uh-huh. trainer's comment is we are going to win, no doubt about it. That coming from a 50-to-1 shot, tempting. Tempting. Trinibur. Uh Who else we got? I'll have another. That's my horse after watching the prelim races a couple of weeks ago. I think he won. I'm trying to remember which one. I think it was the Santa Anita Derby. I'll have another, uh, which will work very well if he wins and people are watching in a sports bar. I'm sure that will help the sales. But he's been my pick all along. I'm going to go with him. I'll have another coming in at 12-1. to 1. How about even if you're not going to pick a winner, dog, do you think it's going to be an early runner? Someone in the middle, or do you feel a late charge from the back of the pack this year? No, I like, uh, well, this, well that sounds good to me, actually, to tell you the truth, especially if I'm in the back of the pack at the time. Uh, but I, I'm going to go with Trinidad, coach, so it's let that win. I, I like, uh, you going I like with who? the guy, the 50 to 1. Oh, Trinidad. Okay. I I'm... like it because the, the way I look at it is, this, I, you know, you only. You can only – betting is only as much fun as the amount of money that you're risking on it in terms of what it does to affect you. If you're worth a billion and you risk a 1000 bucks on a race, you honestly might tear your ticket up on accident and not even care, okay? <laughs> or you just want the ticket to prove, hey, I, I'm a winner. Look, I win, okay? You might not even cash it in at that point. But like me, I would have to. I, I can only risk like ten bucks because I'm afraid that I might not be able to eat tomorrow. And I don't want to like bet on the guy that's two to one. What win twenty dollars? That's embarrassing. So I got to go yeah. out for the big one. See, ten I prefer. Bucks. I hear what you're saying. I prefer when I bet to go for the middle distance guys because too often, unless you have a really good feeling, and Trinnerberg might be one of those. But you know, the fifty to one is is has got no shot. And then you're watching the race, you want to enjoy the race, and you want to at least have a chance, and he's nowhere to be seen. I hear you with the 2-1 to one and 3-1. to one. No fun betting on the favorite. I rarely, rarely, rarely will ever bet on a favorite unless the name really hits me. So I like to go for those 8-1, to 10-1, to 13-1, to 15-1. to one. A better chance they'll at least be in the hunt, and I'll get some enjoyment, and you get somewhat of an electric payback. You know, I, I guess I understand what you're going, but I, I have to admit, I, I've been turned off by horse racing. Uh, like, I like going to the track. I like hanging out with my, like, I go with my family, and oh my goodness, it's a good time, and I could really care less. I'm like, all right, I'm going to lose 50 bucks gambling. 
I don't really care. And that's pretty sad, well, but it's not like I go there. I'm actually just going there with my family because I'm getting dragged there, and I just, that's, okay, that's But that's you're, you're missing with. the essence of it. You got all the, it's a great social time, there's good food there, well, it's fun, sometimes there's You say I'm missing the essence. Now. Yes, you are. I haven't heard do you, you talk. Are, do you listen to what I just said? Yes, and that's why I made the comment. I go there is to hang out with my family and drink and eat. That's why I said you're missing the essence of horse racing. You just said because there's the social stuff, there's yes. the food and the drink. Yes. What do you think I just said to you? That's why I go there. That's the only reason I go there. That's I know, the but, you, reason. but you didn't let me finish my thought. I said you're missing the essence of it. Yes, there's the social aspect and the betting aspect and all the yada yada, the music and the picnic and all that. But I'm a sports fan, and I love competition. That's what gets me going. And if you watch uh, the horses... I mean, they're phenomenal athletes. It sounds ridiculous to say they are unbelievably athletic. The size and the strength of the quickness and, the you know, battling as they come down the stretch. And the jockeys who are unbelievably athletic as well. I don't think people realize how tough it is. So when I say you're missing the essence, Big Dog, I'm talking about what I love about horse racing. Get people away from me. I want to watch the race. Is the competitive, the raw com- competition of the race. And I admire the horses truly as athletes. Okay, well, I mean, I've watched the races. You know, it's not like it's, it's like I'm going to a White Sox game and I'm hanging out in the, you know, on the the back deck just drinking beers and on a bunch of Southside Irish chicks. I mean, I actually watched the race, coach. Yeah. All right, a lot of Bulls fans out there saying, "What the hell are you talking about, Doolahan and Gemologists yeah, and Trinnerberg? What about Game Three tonight, Big Dog? A uh, lot of ways this puppy can go. What do you what, what are you feeling tonight? Six six o'clock, I think the tip off. No, seven o'clock, I think in Philadelphia. What am I feeling right now? No, I, feeling, your hunch. How does the game I, come out? I, I have no idea right now how I'm feeling. Trepidation, nervousness, a little anger. Uh, 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 as a Bulls fan, I wouldn't exactly say helplessness. A little helplessness because you can't go out there and just like help those guys. But I, I want them just to get back. You had your game, your first game without Derrick Rose. You saw what happened. I, I don't know what happened in the second half. you got to figure out what you need to change offensively and defensively. But there's one thing I need to know you have to do the whole entire game, and that's if you don't have the basketball on offense, you need to move without it. You need, if, uh, everybody take a page out of Kyle Korver because Kyle Korver continues to do it. Kyle Korver gets out on the court. If he doesn't have the basketball, he's like, i got to figure out a way to get open. And he just keeps running and running. Next thing, every other guy on the court needs to do that too because yep. when the Bulls do that, they're awesome. Yep. And then when they stand there and let – John Lucas dribble, dribble, dribble. When everybody yells, why is John Lucas uh, shooting so much? Well, why don't the four other guys on the court help John Lucas out and get open for a shot and move, okay? And if you don't believe me, listen to Thibodeau. Because you'll hear him yell, move! You'll hear him yell from the sideline to move. And all of a sudden, oh, oh everybody else starts running. Then do you really need your coach to be the ringleader? 20, uh, John Lucas or C.J. Watson, who's ever on the court, I know C.J. Watson, like, hey, okay, I'm going to get to take a shot here. Well, CJ, get that out of your brain. Immediately be like, hey, I'm conducting the offense. Somebody get open. I, it's, it's, it has to happen, or mm-hmm. guess what? The Bulls will be done in five. Yeah, we, we, we've been saying that really uh, for quite a while, Big Dog, that the Bulls play their best. And sometimes, got to be honest with you, there's been many times it's when Derrick Rose has been on the bench. But that aside, your point is well taken. The Bulls play their best when they simply pass the basketball, when there's ball movement and player movement. I've heard Tom Thibodeau say the same thing. I think I heard him at one 
press conference say, oh, we, we don't have to do anything spectacular. Just pass the ball to the guy ahead of us. Mm-hmm. So, and, and which means you have to move. You don't, yep. you don't just stand there. Okay. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, when there, there were times, and in the first half they were doing that, it was awesome. It was like, you know, Boozer would get the ball at the elbow, and then Noah would immediately cut to the basket, and then Boozer just dropped the ball to Noah and he laid it. Mm-hmm. You know, it was like, wow, it was just that simple. All Noah had to do was, right when the first pass happened, just flash to the basket with his hands up. Mm-hmm. And you got a layup. Why, why weren't they doing that in the second half? They were really too tired to, to. I remind people, by the way, I almost feel like when people are talking about this game, um, you know, that it's like we're six or seven games into the series. It is only game three. So all these Bull fans that have hit, you know, critical junction and, oh, my God, you know, the nervousness and, oh, if we don't win, it is only game three. And we've seen it from the Stanley Cups. We need learn no other lesson than watching Stanley Cup playoff hockey. This thing is a, it's a journey. It's a long road. It's a big game tonight. It's not the end of the world. That would be my message from Tom Thibodeau. Go out there and play hard. Relax. It's game three, guys. Let's see if we can steal one from Philadelphia. Uh, uh. Thibodeau telling somebody to relax. Yeah, you're like right. Roseanne Barr telling somebody yeah. to be sexy. As <laughs> soon Come as on. I said that, you're right. That's not going to happen. I, I love Tom Thibodeau, but yeah. the Bulls haven't the Bulls haven't gotten to where they at by are relaxing. They got to where they at by squeezing the freaking orange as hard as they possibly can. Yep. So let's hope there's more oranges right. to be squeezed. Hey, real quick, some Notre Dame fans out there emailing in. They want to know your thoughts. Tommy Reese, the quarterback of the football team, another player. It sounds pretty innocent to me that, you know, they're drinking at a party and the police show up and they jump over the fence and try to get out of there. I don't uh-huh. know if you've heard this story or not. I guess the part I, that... I, I heard there was an incident at Notre Dame. And then I was like, and yeah. I honestly, I swear to you, I honestly thought it's probably something so freaking yeah. stupid that only because they're at Notre Dame yes. does it make news. Well, part of it, the only part that's a little bit shaky is apparently... The police caught up to the guys running away, including quarterback Tommy Reese. And oh, instead whoa, whoa, of saying, whoa, 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 oh, darn, I got whoa, 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 caught. players got caught by a bunch of flatfoots? That's ridiculous. <laughs> Couldn't escape the pocket, apparently. Actually, I think it's a pretty cool story. I think there was an assist from a taxi cab driver who saw what was going in and boxed in the guy. But the bottom line, big dog, we got to find out more about it. Apparently, Tommy Reese, who's a totally cool guy. And, again, this could happen to any college kid, but... The part at the end where he resisted arrest and possibly uh, not only trash talk, but possibly a knee to the abdomen of the policeman who was trying to arrest him. So well, that, if he really did that, if well, he really did that, he again, there's, there, you know, there, there's let the stu- yeah. That that's the questionable part because you know coming to a college party and then the athletes trying to escape so they don't get caught. That happens all the time. Yeah. But the resisting arrest thing, that's where it could get a little dicey. And I'm going to tell you this straight up right now. Uh, if I, I know, I tell you, I hang out with a lot of police officers, former Army, all that stuff. If you're a police officer and they make you, you make a police officer run after you, you're going to get beat up. To every single person out there, you're going to get beat up. You know, maybe not you're going to get beat up, but when you get dropped to the ground, there's going to be a knee in your back. Trust me, when they grab you, it's going to be a lot rougher than, okay, you're drinking, right, let me put the handcuffs on you. It's going to be a lot tougher than that. And if you're a quarterback for Notre Dame and you're a little drunk and some dude just hammers you, cops just hammers you, I, he may have reacted to Needham, and he's in a lot of trouble, Coach. Hmm. All right, we'll see. So, that, honestly, you got, 
you you if you're smart enough. <laughs> wow, he's that's he could be in a lot of trouble. Mm-hmm. And it's something as, as innocent as oh, I don't want to get busted uh, drinking at a party. All right, we will see more details to come. I don't want to spread stuff that might not be true. More details to come, but problems continue in Notre Dame football. Twenty seconds, big dog. Got to mention your uh, not your alma mater, but the college you so much proudly support, the Illinois Fighting Illini gymnastics national champions last week, this weekend, both. Both the men's and women's teams going for the NCAA Tennis Championship as Illini Tennis will be front and center this weekend. Well, uh, I'm really looking forward to that, Coach. As all I have to say is, when you're talking about when you're talking about uh, Illini Tennis, I'm always on the edge of my seat. Can't wait for the next uh, what do they call it match? You sarcastic son of a gun. Firing on both horse racing and the sport of tennis today. How about that? How's that for leaving the show? No, no, no. I love tennis. I just, I, yeah. you kind of got me. You, you kind of grabbed me by the boo boo. I hear you. Thank you, bro. Big dog, behave yourself this weekend. I know you won't, but I wish that you will. I will, coach. <laughs> Waterriders.com, everyone. There it is. Dog and the coach back at you on Monday. Have an outstanding weekend, everybody. And don't forget, down the stretch they come, the Kentucky Derby this weekend. 10 o'clock Monday, we'll be back at it to talk about the Derby and more. Have a great weekend.